Welcome to this week's presentation from Bethesda, a church community where anyone can belong. We hope that the following presentation encourages you in your faith journey. Thanks for listening. If there was ever a dangerous gap, it's a gap between our, our fear and you may have walked into the service this morning and you uh, may be in different areas of your life and some of you may be in a period of your life by where um, you can't define your life as fear, but you can look back at moments in your life. But at some point or another, we struggle between the, our, our fear and our faith, don't we? It, um, if there were ever a dangerous gap, it is one between the, our fear and faith. And it's dangerous depending on how you respond to that season of your life, isn't it? You have stories where you've uh, vacillated towards faith and it's a testimony in your life where you have the faithfulness of God. That could be when you first gave your life to Jesus or a moment in your life where you were seeking God for an answer and God came through and there was an immense amount of faith. But you can also relate to moments in your life when you vacillated and leaned more towards fear uh, than faith. So it's, it can be a very uh, dangerous gap if we're not careful. Because it's the difference between a person finding the courage to do what God has called you to do or an overwhelming fear that handicaps us to the point of never doing anything, anything that requires an inkling of courage. It's rather, as a matter of fact, it's rather normal for us to insulate our lives. Uh, from anything that requires the kind of faith in a God we cannot see. It's our natural propensity to insulate our lives away from experiencing the kind of faith that God expects from us sometimes. Especially when we put our faith in a God sometimes we cannot see. And so, have you ever had a moment in your life where you've hoped to find strength to overcome, but instead found yourself gripped by fear? And I think we can all answer that question. It's relatable to everybody in this room today. Not the, not the kind of fear that warns you against a bad decision. It's, it's interesting, you know, how I grew up and how my parents insulated me and tried to teach me, you know, fear, to fear certain things. Um, some 40 years ago, uh, how parents taught kids uh, to, 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 to avoid certain things in their life. You know, when I was a kid, it, my, my dad would watch me go up and touch the, the burner. You know what a burner is, right? On the stove. Our parents today, including myself, was, would, would, would take our kid away from that. Not my father. I would touch it and he would say, you won't do that again, will you? <laughs> right? Isn't it interesting how we, we teach our kids, depending on culture, you won't do that again. But now we, we, we try to insulate our kids from fear. But I'm, I'm not talking about the kind of fear that... that uh, that warns you against a bad decision, but a, a real personal fear that can leave you paralyzed and become the enemy to growing in your faith if we're not careful. That's where we are today in the middle of our series uh, 100, which is 100 days from uh, when we began in January to up to Easter Sunday. And some of you are like, oh, that's where the big number's up there. Well, like it's like a, is it like a jackpot or something? One, we don't gamble in church, okay? I just saved my job. But that's, that's where we are. We're, we're leaning into 100 days going up to Easter. Uh, if there's any area where we struggle to believe that God is enough, 
It is in the, the parts of our life where we struggle with fear. Fear is, a, is about all the unknowns and the what-ifs. It's those two words you don't normally say out, uh, out loud, but when we are experiencing fear, it's a constant reminder of what if this doesn't happen? What if this does happen? Fears about my weaknesses, fears about what people will think of me. So, so today I want to invite you into a story from the life of Moses. And Moses is more relatable to you and I than you realize. Some of you may be thinking, well, Moses is a leader. I'm not really in the leadership, you know, I'm, you know, and so on and so forth. But he is more relatable to you than you realize. Every person in this room. Because Moses struggled with the ability to see God clearly in the activity of his life at this moment. It's a story that will change how you understand fear and faith or doubt and courage. And understanding it could be the catalyst to growing your faith. And so this, this one man, Moses, is called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt to the, the promised land and to assure most, Moses that his future is in good hands. Don't you, don't you love it when, when your prayers work out and you feel like you're in line with what God is saying? You have this Wi-Fi, you know, strong Wi-Fi, wireless connection to God, and everything's going good. And this is where Moses began. He, he had a connection there, and God was, God was answering his prayer. And to assure Moses that his future was in good hands, God makes him four incredible promises. One is this, I will be with you. I mean, that, you know, that's the sustaining power of God. I, in the middle of what you are about to go through in your life, I am with you. Great promise, isn't it? The second one is, I will, I will bring the Israelites out of, Egypt, out of Egypt, which means not only am I with you, I'm going to answer your prayer. Now, that may not seem powerful to you, but God gives him this answer before Moses' journey begins. So as Moses, don't even, he's not even praying the prayer for God to be with him. Moses is in a place in his life where he's, 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 he's kind of moving back from what God is asking him to do. And God says, by the way, you know, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to sustain you, and not only, I'll bring the Israelites out of Egypt. I'm going to answer your prayer before you start. You know the answer. You know the end of the story. And not only that, he says, the elders of the Israel will listen to you. People will have confidence in you. That's pretty good, isn't it? And then he goes on forth. He says, the Egyptians will respond favorably to you in Exodus 3.21. In other words, your enemy, your enemy will even obey you. I mean, that's pretty good, a pretty good foundation before you step out of fear where Moses was and step into faith knowing that God will be with you. He will bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He'll answer your prayer. You're, the people who you're gonna, that you're going to lead are going to follow you. And not only that, just as an icing on the top, your enemies, your enemies, the Egyptians will respond favorably to you. Now that's pretty good, isn't it? That's some pretty strong promises. Security when you're standing between fear and faith. But like us, and why Moses is relatable to you and I this morning, look what he says. What if they do not believe me or listen to me? What if, and, and say the Lord did not appear to you? You've been there, and I've been there. When moments in your life, whether it's sickness 
or you're asking God to do something and you've claimed faithfulness to God in your life, not only to your Christian friends, but your unsaved neighbors that are around you, and they know you are in a period of your life where you are leaning on God and you are asked that question privately, right? What if God, what, what, if, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and, and the Lord did not appear to you? God hasn't been faithful to you. I've been there. It's a question that we ask privately in our hearts. And then the Lord said to him, it's, it's, it's almost like a left field question, but it makes sense. It's, he says to Moses, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Now, it's going to get a little strange, but it's a powerful story. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. I guess he did. You ever, you, you ever, want, to, ever want to ever see your pastor run? Throw a mouse in the room, okay? All right, six foot one. 200 and some pounds. <laughs> Running, okay? It's interesting. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out his hand and took it a hold of the snake and, and turned back into a, a staff in his hand. This, said the, said the Lord, is so that you may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So not only does he have all these answers, I'm with you, your, 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 the people that you're going to lead are going to follow you, and your enemy is going to favor you. Not only that, I am, I, I, I will appear and I'll be with you. And so Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Pardon your servant. Lord, I have not, never been eloquent. Never. Once again, he leans back into fear. Never, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. In other words, I have ne- he's telling the truth. Uh, in, in this moment of fear, even though it's not, maybe not true about him, because fear dilutes our present moment, doesn't it? Even if you have gifts and abilities, if you live in fear, it will dilute what's going on in the moment. He says, I've never had it. I, you know, I, I haven't in the, in the past, even at this very moment, I have nothing to offer. And that's the fear speaking. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to them, who gave humans beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I? The Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Another answer to prayer. I mean, it's just, this, this prayer is just, just available. To, the answer to the prayer, the strength that he needs is available to him. But he's living between fear and faith and it's diluting the present moment. And Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please. Here it is. He goes from what if to send someone else. And the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak, and you will teach teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it to show the Israelites that I am with you. So Moses, from all accounts, seemed to be this confident leader who had led a nation out of slavery, standing in God's promises, but more often than not, defining moments in our life will always start with fear, and Moses is no exception. 
See, fear will, will often be the greatest test to growing your faith. And so today, today I, I want to briefly at each of the, talk about for a moment three of his objections. It's really about Moses' journey of fear. And it's not just Moses, it's yours. And God's response to it. It's a look at how our fear works in us and how God responds to this fear. And the first objection is this. What if they don't believe or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you? Something wrong with you, bye. Right? Come on, bye. In other words, what if something out there goes wrong? What if something bad happens to me in the process? It's when we look our, at our external circumstances and based on what we can see, we end up deducing and verbalizing two crippling words. What if something goes wrong out there? It's a legitimate question. And I've said it more often than I, I want to admit and Moses, see, and if you understand the context of Moses and his, where he is in this moment when he's saying this, and what has just happened is this. Moses left Egypt as a murderer on the run and became a shepherd in a foreign land. And now he's supposed to return to Egypt and approach the leaders of Israel to tell them that God appeared to him in a burning bush, no less, and told him to come back to lead an entire nation of people out of Egypt to the promised land. Not a small thing to do. So you can imagine the Israelites' response. There's no way this could actually work. Too many things could go wrong. There are too many what-ifs. Ever have those feelings, those kinds of questions where you say, what if these decisions turn out, don't, don't turn out well? What if, what if this relationship doesn't work? What if things just go wrong? And that's Moses. But God responds. And he says, Moses, what's in your hand? He answers Moses with an odd question that should be obvious to God, but it's not obvious to Moses what God can do with it. And Moses is in a moment by where he is judging, and you need to hear this, okay? He is judging the success of what he is asking him to do by looking externally. He's looking around. So what does God... So, so what does God do? He, he brings Moses back. Forget what people are thinking and use what I gave you. So Moses is looking externally and God is saying, no, 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 look internally. So Moses, what's in your hand? A staff. I mean, it's an odd question because Moses replied, I'm, I'm a shepherd, remember? It's what I do now. I carry a staff. It commands no authority then throw it on the ground. And what does God do with it? He turns it into a snake as if to say, let me show you the kind of extraordinary things I can do with something ordinary and unimpressive. And he wants Moses to know that what he has in his hand today is enough to accomplish all that God will ask him to do. You hear that? What does God use to bring plagues against Pharaoh, Moses' staff? What does God use to part the Red Sea? Moses' staff. What does God use to bring water from a rock in the desert? Moses' staff. You see, you, you, we need to know that God can work through what we have to calm our fears about our circumstances and about all the what-ifs in our lives. And what has God placed in your hand that you're, you have not used for him because of fear? What's God doing in your life right now? But because your life is so gripped with fear, you can't see and hear and, and, and watch what God wants to do in your life. 
There are needs God can meet through you. It may be as simple as a, a gift or, or a resource you have that God can use to bless someone because it's only as we let God use what we have today that we learn to trust God with all of the what-ifs about tomorrow. You hear that? Trusting God in the moment today. Not tomorrow, today. So what's in your hand? Moses isn't convinced that God could use him and because Moses is, is vacillating towards fear and not faith. And so he has another objection. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never, I've never been eloquent. In fact, I'm slow in speech, as a matter of fact. Isn't it funny how God calls certain people and it's not always obvious in their giftings? You may be there. Be there. You may be in a place in your life where God has placed you, and still today you're going, how did I get here? And, and God often does that. How did I get here? And here we move from Moses' fear about his circumstances to a much deeper doubt about himself. And that's, that's, that's the journey of fear. You move from fears about the circumstances to much deeper doubts about yourself. In other words, it's not as much what might go wrong, it's who I am. Or better yet, who I'm not. I can't do this, God. That's the real problem. It's, it's the crippling lack of confidence internally that raises its ugly head in moments when God is trying to exercise your faith. See, somewhere along the way in your life, there is a, a deep wound, maybe. Something happened, and it's too much for you to handle. As you stand between fear and faith, you have convinced yourself that it is an impossible situation. The hero of my message today is Moses. And like some of us, his career collapsed when he was 40 years old. He had a, a midlife crisis kind of thing, you know what I'm saying? By the time he was 80, he was herding sheep in the wilderness. Nothing to look forward to, but here's, here was the key. Maybe leaning into faith isn't about your qualifications or your abilities. I mean, it, it wouldn't be long that Moses' name would be on the lips of more than three million Jews who would owe him, Moses, their life. But it wasn't so much about his abilities. It wasn't. That's clear in Exodus 3, 4. And I don't care how old you are here today, whether you're a, a teenager or you're a senior, I don't care what your background is, there are some things you have to understand, and it's this. When fear clouds our ability to exercise faith, we need to be reminded who is on the other end of faith. You hear me? God reminds Moses of this by asking a question. And the question that God is asking is not because God is, it doesn't have the information, it's rhetorical. It's reminding the person he's asking of God's faithfulness, typically in patterns in Scripture. He says, who gives human beings their mouths or their speech or sight? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, who makes people what they are? Who is in charge of what they have or don't have? Whose strength really matters? God is reminding Moses that we are not just dealing with a God who defines himself as omniscient, omnipotent. Although God is all those things, this is Yahweh, which means I am. I am acting, I am working, I am leading, I am moving, 
and I'm in control. I'm in control. And let me remind you as the people of God today in this room that your pain is never outside of the purview of God. You hear me? He hears our cries. For God to be Yahweh means that he hears the cries of his people. When you cry out to God, your cries never ever fall on deaf ears. He knows our sufferings. I know their sufferings, he said. God, do you know? Really? Don't you ask that question? Do you really know? Do you realize what is happening in my life? In fact, he does. In Christ, we have one who is able to sympathize with our weakness, who, who has identified with us in suffering. What a truth to know today. He sees our affliction, hears our cries, knows our suffer, suffering, and he reminds us of his covenant with us. I'm with you. It would, it would have been great if God had, in the moment when Moses reminds God that he stutters, wouldn't it be a good time to remind Moses, God, of the gifts he did have? What a great opportunity, right? Because we're at our lowest point when we realize what we can't do and how insufficient we are. Wouldn't it be great, God, to remind him of some kind of strength that he has? God doesn't say, Moses, here's why I chose you. Here's this qualification, this, 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 this gift, this qualification I have. He says, who gives human beings their mouths or their speech or sight? In other words, Moses, it doesn't matter who you are. I am with you. And this is not so much about you as it is about me. Not that God doesn't believe in us. Not that God doesn't encourage us about our, our skills. But it's more about me in you. You hear me? What if God actually chooses to call us to things in our lives, not because of our qualifications, but in order to lead us to a place where we are radically dependent on his presence? I mean, if you're a parent, you'll know what these things are in my hand. I mean, uh, it's, you, you don't recognize them, but you recognize them. You hear what I'm saying? You have them. They're called keepsakes, right? You have all those things that belong to your kids. And if, if you were to walk down the hallway and one of these were lying on the floor, you would probably pick it up and throw it in the garbage. And then I would have a fight with you. You hear what I'm saying? Because they may not mean nothing to you, but they are priceless to me. This is a, a, a something <laughs> that my kids made for me when, when they were a lot younger. And I used to tease them and say, thank you for making me an ashtray. <laughs> but it's not an ashtray. It's a, it's a jewelry holder. Okay. But if you were to find it somewhere, you would say, well, what in a Joe Bat's arm is that? Right? Like, what is that? But it's, it's, it's priceless to me. And, and other things here, like S is for sun. P is for piglets. R is for baby rabbits. I is for, is for interesting animals in spring. N is for new babies. G is for green plants in the spring. Some of my kids are not that creative when it comes to, <laughs> but they've grown into it. You know, and, and so, it's, and, as a matter of fact, all of these things here, I think, were actually made here in Sunday school. But they mean nothing to you, but boy, I tell you what, they are treasured possessions to me. Right? They mean something to, to, to me. And if you were to find them, on the, like I said, on a, somewhere, you would just toss them out. You, you, you just, you know, it's not, nothing to you. You see, what I'm saying is your gift may not mean a lot to some, 
The, 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 you know, the, the world may not see it as much, but in the right hands, it's a treasured possession. This is what we see all throughout Scripture, isn't it? Uh, it is common people that, f- at first glance, it would appear that they have very average gifts. It's a common pattern throughout scri- Scripture. All the heroes of faith in the Old Testament, Joshua, you know, the common denominator, God says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Gideon, I will be with you. Jeremiah, I will be with you. Don't miss it. The call to obedience is always followed by the promise of God's presence. You're supposed to say amen here. A mom or dad in the room, I mean, feeling overwhelmed. Uh, Student. Overwhelmed. You're in a work situation that God has put you in, know this, God is Yahweh. The ever-present one who does not leave his people alone. He is ever-present and he is all-powerful. Your life, your gift, your situation is in his hands. It's a treasured possession. His presence brings power. At the very heart of God's identity is action. And he promises to act in Moses' life where he's the weakest. I will not only use the gifts I gave you, Moses, but it will be successful because I will act. I will give you the power and courage. Although I give you what is in your hands, the success will not be anything you have. It is me in you. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with fear is because we believe that the quality of our lives is based solely on the quality of our gifts. You remove God from your gifts, and it's just that, gifts. You hear me? The path that God has placed you on your life and your education, your vocation, it's amazing. You need to obey it. But you remove God from that, it's just gifts. It's just work. You hear what I'm saying? But God is not impressed with human strength. You separate your gifts from God's power, and all you have is good people with good gifts and a good church. This is a God whose power shines brightest where it is needed most. Your gifts, your life explodes for good when you are placed in the hands of the one who created you. Man, you remember those few weeks? Those first few weeks in your new role, in your new position, serving were some of the longest days of your life. Remember that after you said yes to something you felt was beyond not only your intellectual pay grade, but your giftings pay grade. But each day, each day, God was showing up, giving you words when you had none. You remember that? Strength when you felt weak and joy when your heart felt heavy with sadness and question God in the middle of that calling that God has called you to. Living in fear, not faith. And when you felt weak, joy came and God's grace will work in your life in the same way, not because he has tasks for us to complete, but because God has a work of grace and healing for us. This is amazing news. You never have to fear that you are not qualified. And what better place for Moses to learn that God's strength is enough than having him to speak for God when he can't speak at all. Said that, right? God will do that sometimes. Moses' greatest fear 
as he stood between fear and faith was that he would have to rely on God in the middle of an obvious deficiency. I mean, we have deficiencies that we can hide, right? We have weaknesses that we can hide. They're not obvious. But Moses, you know, he was, a, he was to be a leader with public speaking, and he stuttered. And God does that. And look at the journey of doubt. Moses is done. He's the what ifs. He's looked externally and only found fear. He has looked internally and lacked confidence. And lastly, oh, just, you know, pardon me. Just send someone else, man. There's someone better out there than me. Because when you are crippled with between fear and faith, you will convince yourself that you are not the one to do this and you will pass on one of the greatest opportunities to grow in your faith. You hear me? Send someone else. Every Christian in this room will at some point stand between that fear and that faith and wrestle with this conversation. It sounds nice that God will use what's in my hand, and it's great that God will help me along the way, but today, in, the, in this moment, I, the moment I'm in, in this moment, that's not enough. There, there is simply too much pain, too many obstacles, and I just feel defeated. You ever have those moments? I, I could write the script on that. And have you ever just thought to yourself, God, I am unable to live up to the expectation that you have on me? Moses certainly did. Send someone else. I don't want any part of this. No matter which way you slice it, that's what he's saying. Just, uh, it's, I'd rather live comfortably in fear and lean in, rather than lean into faith in the unknown. That's what he was saying. What does he do? How does God respond? He asks yet another compelling question, and it's an interesting one. It seems a little bit left field. He says, what about, your, what about your brother Aaron? He can speak well. He has gifts where you don't, and he is on his way to see you, and he'll be excited when he does. Take him with you and let him speak to Pharaoh. In a, in a way, it might seem that God has let Moses off the hook, but that's not what's taking place here. God is pointing to a much profound truth that you need to hear today. Community is the way God confronts and redeems our giving up. Remember that moment you wanted to give up? Oh, man. And at the right time and the right place, God just sent an errand in, the, in there. I said, hold on, to, to encourage. That's community. God knows that we are not meant to go through life alone. And that, that we, we cannot overcome our doubts in isolation. We need a real, tangible, concrete reminder that we are worth something and that we are valuable. We need a real relationship to help us conquer our fears. And too often, we live as if God wants us to get everything right on our own, as if the best picture of courage is the lone ranger by himself on the ledge, drawing on his inner strength to take the next step. That's what the world tells us. You just be an individual. You do it alone. So you can have all the accolades. And God is showing Moses, you can't do it on your own. You will live in fear. You need people of faith that are steps ahead of you that have gone through this to encourage you in your walk. When Moses gives up, God doesn't say, you know, dig deeper, Moses, search harder, trust yourself. He says, what about your brother Aaron? 
Now, I, if I could choose, I have a number of brothers. Some of my brothers I wouldn't choose to encourage me. Because I have brothers who are, would say to me, get over by. Right? I have other brothers who wouldn't even identify, wouldn't even pick up on my sadness. But I have some brothers that would understand it. And you have people, you're thinking about your family now, aren't you? My Lord, if I told them all my mail. Moses gives up, man. God, God doesn't say, dig deeper, Moses, search harder. What, he says, what about your brother? You don't have to do this alone. You see, as I end and as the band comes back, in spite of what we think courage really looks like, the most courageous thing you can do in God's eyes is, is to ask for help. Just say, I need help, man. I know it sounds simple. I, I, I know it can feel a little unnerving, but nothing prepares you for God's grace and power more than saying, I cannot do this on my own. I need an errand in my life. Maybe there is something that you fear today, a circumstances in your life, a sin or a struggle, or, and, and, and you need to invite someone into that. Don't be too proud. I tell you, pride only leads to more fear. It's reciprocal. And for those of you who are feeling strong and you're in you right now, maybe you need to be an errand for someone else. Taking the initiative to move into their life, excited to see them and ready to speak for them because we are not meant to take on our fears alone. So let me ask you, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? What resources that God has placed in your hand to use for his kingdom and for his glory? and to strengthen people around you. Typically, God will show you that it's not you that brings power and strength, but it's the God that's in you, and he uses what you have to do that. What resources do you have that can be used to bless someone else? What is it God is giving you? Who are you walking with today? Who is your Aaron in your life? Who can be that person that can speak when you are not strong? that has gone on the journey at steps ahead of you in faith and seen the faithfulness of God and can say, God, you are so good. Who's that person? And I believe that God is, is telling us through the life of Moses to get beyond the what ifs so, so, because so many of us have lived in that space far too long that it has paralyzed us in the now. In the now. The what if has led us to lacking confidence and avoiding what God is calling us to do. And we would rather live in the perpetual life of fear because we've done it so long than move towards the unknown and faith in God. You hear what I'm saying? So how do we grow in our faith in the middle of fear? I want to know that. This one is you use the resources God is giving. Each person sitting in this room has gifts that are either dormant or being used for God. So we don't use them because we think alone they are nothing. He is calling you to use what God has given you. And the main ingredient in your life is not your abilities. Because if we lean into our abilities, we lean into arrogance and self-sufficiency, right? On its own. But when we mix what God has given us 
with the power of God and the presence of God, that's where the impact makes. Use the resources God has given you. Rely on the power available to you. Secondly, gifts without God's power is just a piece of wood. It's just a staff, right? I have a staff in my hand. God, yes, it's a staff. It's, it means nothing. But the difference between the staff and doing something was God's presence. So rely on the power that's available to you. And lastly, invite people around you to strengthen you in the journey. It is never about a complete trust in your own abilities. It takes the power of God and people around you to help you in the journey. And when God calls, because there's no doubt God is calling, God is speaking, he will place people in your life to build us up and affirm us. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our church community, please visit our website, Bethesda.ca, and consider joining us for a gathering soon.